0: I love that like early stage that like pre-product market fit. It has an energy to it where you're really trying to understand like what's the problem I'm trying to solve? Who's my target customer? You're experimenting. Like that's the the stage I love.
1: I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup and you're listening to We Are LA Tech.
2: Today's We Are LA Tech episode shout out goes to Chris Miles. Chris Miles, thank you for being such a longtime member of the We Are LA Tech community and just championing everything that we do. Really appreciate you. Be sure to say hello to Chris on Twitter at Miles Door. That's M-I-L-E-S-N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R. Miles Next Door. Let Chris know you found him via We Are LA Tech.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA tech companies and talent across the region. I'm Dave Whalen, the CEO of Bioscience LA, uh, your humble guest host for today and really super excited for today's podcast. Uh, Petra Griffith, I have uh, known and worked with uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, which is crazy. So we were like teenagers when we met. Thrilled to have Petra on board, uh, amazing tech background, consumer background, and now uh, venture background. So Petra, say hello and uh, you know, tell us who you are.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Really excited to be here. And it's fun to do it with someone um, who knows a lot about me and has known me for a long time. My current role is I, I run a venture fund called Wedbush Ventures. Um, I founded the fund in uh, March of 2020, right before, unbeknownst to me, right before the pandemic started. So I, I learned venture, so to speak, in a in a time when everything was on Zoom, and I got very used to the uh, you know back to back to back Zoom calls, which was actually quite efficient. Um, but you know the, the the journey to venture was you know as most journeys to venture are not necessarily direct, which makes it you know fun and unique. And you know, i have been in LA now for. Almost 20 years. Um, when we first met, you helped me land my first job in LA. Kind of got me out of tech very briefly, but quickly re-entered tech. Even though I've worked a lot for Bay Area-based companies while I've been down LA, I've been, you know, in LA for um, you know most of most of my life. And it, even though this is not where I'm from, um, so super passionate about the LA LA ecosystem, and particularly the LA tech ecosystem, and um, you know, love what, what um, you guys are doing at We Are LA Tech. And, you know, it's been a been a, bit, a big part of my career is is the yeah, like just being, you know, helping to build out the LA Tech ecosystem. And that's why I'm also excited to be running a seed stage fund here in LA.
1: We both came to LA kind of around, you know, around similar times. And that was really at the, like that, the very early days of the LA tech scene. I mean, uh, you know, there was sort of, Idea Lab and you know a, a couple of other a couple of other people doing you know doing yeah like
0: MySpace was just getting started yeah
1: yeah exactly exactly and you know sort of the things that would have you know you know YouTube didn't yet exist you know AdSense and uh, you know the you know some of the stuff that you ended up working for you know didn't didn't yet exist and it's been a really interesting journey to kind of build you know build the community build the ecosystem um, but yeah just stepping back because you've lived and worked in some cool other places as well. So you uh, maybe give us a little snapshot of kind of how how you got to LA in the first place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so one thing most people do or don't know about me, um, I'm German. I actually just became a US citizen in September. So moved to the US, um, German, grew up in Germany, um, did spend some time in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, when I was little, moved back to Germany. And then when I was in middle school, we moved to New Jersey. Um, my parents loved Texas, Um and we're so excited to move back to the U.S. Um, and ultimately loved New Jersey too. But let's just say New Jersey was very different than than Texas was, and so it was like a, a certain expectation. But no, and having uh, moved to New Jersey, went um, college in Vermont, and then um, you know I studied international politics and economics, and also German cultural studies, and uh, wanted to get into um, uh, I wanted to get into diplomacy, but as a German citizen who was living in the US, it was kind of awkward, like didn't, couldn't really get the right security clearance. And then I worked for think tanks and you know, I just felt like I was, I don't know, I wanted to get do something. And that is what led me to the world of startups um, and into uh, the world of, of product, which was really didn't exist. And so I spent one year in New York um, at Fortune Magazine and Money Magazine um, working on their new product development, looking at what you can build off of the brand. Um, and then, um, you know, one of the things we were working on was, was kind of the website and the digital media part of it, which I found really fascinating. And so that brought me to the Bay Area and we're in San Francisco, uh, kind of before the heyday and through the heyday, you know, fell into this role of product, which which was this kind of was just being defined at that time of this role of, you know, like thinking through like, what is, you know, what do you want to do as a company? Who's your customer? Um, it's a little bit of marketing. It's a little bit of product marketing, a little bit of business development, but a lot of, you know, really thinking through and working with engineers um, um, to really think through like, what do you, what, what problem do you want to solve? What do you want to build? What should this look like? What are your your core product metrics? And, you know, like the, the Bay area and the dot-com heyday was a bit insane, a little bit like the last couple of years were. And
1: yeah, no, I mean, I, we were both in the Bay Area at the same time. And I mean, I was a recruiter at the time. But yeah, I just remember it was it was crazy. It was sort of everything was, you know, growth and, you know, big investments and big launch parties for companies that hadn't actually launched anything yet. And uh, it was it was insane. But it was also a really fun time.
0: Yeah, no, it was. And You know, I went through that time and I was like, you know, I enjoyed I'm good at this, but it's also just like the fundamentals aren't there. And so I kind of wanted to put some structure around those um, what I had learned. And, you know, it's it's two things. So I went to business school in London and then we my husband wanted to go to graduate school and um, in the U.S. And so we came back and he he ended up going to UCLA for, for grad school. Which is how we ended up in LA. Uh, my husband's originally from LA, and and you know he didn't really have much of a desire to move back, and so we're like, okay, two years LA, and then we'll be gone. And and uh, 19, 20 years later, we're still here.
1: Our connection was London Business School, and you know fellow, you know uh, fellow transfer or exchange exchange alum who uh, I knew had met you, and then. Uh yeah of course uh, you know Doug went to Anderson where I went so lots of uh you know lots of interesting overlapping connections with with all of that and and I too thought I would uh come to LA for 2 years of business school and then leave and you know I'm now been here for 22 years so uh yeah it's it's funny how LA just drags you in and uh and keeps you you know and you know keeps changing but keeps you excited
0: Yeah no it's a unique place it's super diverse not just like from backgrounds, but like it's international. Um, it's lots of different industries. I think the one thing that that I didn't appreciate about the Bay Area as much, and I know the Bay Area is more diverse than tech, but tech just dominates uh, in the Bay Area. Um, and I like that here you have different industries. I mean, we dom- or dominate by entertainment, but you know, if you there's there's also aerospace. There's you know, there's actually fintech. There's so many different industries. Financial services, not necessarily fintech. But, and so that's why I really enjoyed LA. And it's funny, like I remember my, one of my startups up in the Bay Area, I was also working on some of the marketing campaigns. I remember working on, you know, um, go com called. And I was like, this is so weird. Like someone searches for something and then you pay when someone clicks on a link. But it worked so well. It worked so well. And so I remember moving to LA and we, I just wanted to find a job for a couple of years because we're going to move again. And I actually really didn't want to go back into tech. I really wanted to do something different. But I remember that GoTo.com had had uh, rebranded as Overture, and that was like the big tech opportunity in LA, and that's where all the jobs were. And I looked at them and I was like, no, I want to do something not tech related. And and so um, we we connected, and and um, you know, uh, you kind of lured me into the world um, of fitness and nutrition and. <laughs> And it was fun, and we worked on some great um, nutritional products together. We launched—you uh, just showed me the poster. We launched a, a line of ready-to-drink products, and got to know about shipping coolers and <laughs> shipping. Yeah, you do. You
1: do learn a lot uh, um, in sort of this. It was you know because it was B to B to C, and uh, you know, and we were marketing through health clubs. Uh, but you know, and then we also, uh, you know, as as I always like to say, we were part of launching the. I, I still say it's the the first consumer-facing activity tracking wearable. You know, I don't know if that's exactly true, but for sure it was like we, we launched one of the first wearables.
0: No, exactly. And that was for me the, the kind of what cemented getting back into tech, like working on uh, consumer products. That was what I thought I wanted to do. And I was looking at like Nestle and Sunkist and... Um, and you know that's what what really brought me to Apex Fitness is where we met and they were you know we were part of twenty four hour fitness. and and I just found it it for me personally, it was just not the pace I was used to. So then when we had the opportunity to launch bodybug and like working on that from from scratch and like working on the, the the naming and the branding and the what is this for and who are we going after and and like building the software interface really from scratch and kind of working with the team. You know, out in Pittsburgh the body media team and launching bodybug which was you know i think really the first wearable in the fitness space for for i think really around weight management like, that was like, okay, like tech is where I want to be. And that was, you know, really, really fun. And it was actually fun to work on a hardware device um, that had this kind of software integration. And so then I, um, you know, Apex and 24 Fitness were going through some changes and it was time to, time to leave. And I think we all kind of, a lot of us left at, the, at a similar time. And I also just didn't, you know, we were living in Brentwood and commuting up to Camarillo, which was... <laughs> It's fun. You know, I just wanted to do something a little bit closer, although Burbank wasn't really that close either. But I had the opportunity to join what was the Overture team and had been acquired by Yahoo and had become Yahoo Search Marketing and and joined um, the Domain Match team to lead their international rollout, which for me was also really fun. Um, because I got to work with languages again, I got to work with international markets again. So I joined that and and basically Domain Match is is this product that probably most people haven't heard of, but it's the ability to serve search advertising on a website based on the domain name and so we did a lot of work around understanding the language of a domain, understanding what market the domain would be in, especially if it doesn't have like the right the right extension or it doesn't it just has a .com or .org or whatever extension. Um, and then what? Yeah, you know, what market of advertising to serve? And so got kind of crash course in in advertising systems and in in just kind of like language and machine learning. Quite honestly,
1: just so I understand. So this is before. I mean, you know, today today we're we're probably so used to getting ads that are you know mm-hmm. hyper targeted to who we are because of everything. You know, everything else we do on social media and things, but at the time, all of that didn't exist. But at least you were able to make sure that ads that were showing up on a certain website would be kind of localized for that market, you know, based on where the website was or what the website was talking about.
0: Yeah I mean this this was quite honestly primarily targeted towards domain um managers so it's still a business a lot of people own domains like you know army.com back then was one of the the big domains people own own portfolio of domains and one way they monetized those domains was by serving advertising on them and had they had some content they would think about like lead gen as well but it was really kind of a lead gen tool it was you know a little bit spammy <laughs> well it wasn't the best user experience although sometimes we actually were able to create some pretty good user experience but it was you know it was not an insignificant i mean it was basically using the search engine technology um and this matching technology that search had generated um I mean, there's uh, pixels existed back then um and and display advertising but it was really actually my one thing I really appreciated about search advertising, even back from my days as an advertiser, is that it's a it works really well as an advertiser, and it's a great user experience as well. Because as a user, you know you are searching for something, and you are being served up something relevant that is actually useful to you. Um, and then for the, the but in the display world, kind of to your point, like you can put a banner ad up, and most banner ads are not really a great user experience. Um, they work. Decently, I mean, there's still a huge industry, um, and and the targeting of that becomes super important, Then the creative of that becomes super important. Um, but you know, especially back then, I just felt like that could be better, and so that became you know my kind of. I spent the the latter part of my time at at Yahoo really looking at um, the the. The display the other kind of ads, not the text search ads, but the kind of more creative ads, and how do you make that experience better? And we built a new advertising system. And then I, I also worked on new ad formats and kind of looking at like, especially around mobile content and video content, how do you take that same experience of kind of great user experience and good advertiser experience and advertiser results and marry that together? Because I think that's kind of the holy grail
1: yeah and of course that when that was during the whole you know early days of the iPhone and uh, you know kind of the, the growth of mobile advertising, so probably a very cool time to be doing that
0: it was and it was exactly when mobile was coming and we actually launched one of the first so we thought a lot about contextual ads. We launched one of the first like what we called native ads, which is now what what facebook's business is built on, which is is um, you know ad- having advertising embedded in content. Um, and, and the Facebook model just works so much better. The Instagram model works so much better than having a you know an article with a with a you know a content ad and in, in between an article works a lot better if you every you know you're just adding a tab in your scroll really mm-hmm. definitely took that format and and made it much more successful than than we had the opportunity to at. Yahoo. And you know my last year at Yahoo this is twenty twelve. 2011, 2012. Um, you know, we had. Uh, I worked on a team that wasn't in any of the Yahoo silos. Like, if anybody knows anything about Yahoo back in the day, it was very like it had like their content uh, division and their advertising division, and their you know it was like, are we a tech company? Are we an advertising uh, a content company? And w- we were in this like team that was like didn't fit in any of those silos. And every CEO that came in would be like, who are you? It's not what you're doing. I need to understand what you're doing. Um, And then we would, like, go and pitch and present, like, this is what we're doing. We're looking at the future of, like, mobile and how does it all come together between content and advertising. Like, oh, this is great. Keep on going. But, like, we had five CEOs in the span of a year. And it was just like, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. And, you know, and I that time at, you know, I have three kids and my twins were already born at the time. And I was flying up to the Bay Area almost every week. And that was not what I wanted to do, but I, um, you know, I looked around quite honestly and didn't see a whole lot of interesting opportunities in LA. Like demand media was around, but I was like, Oh, I don't want to do the same thing. Like kind of creating, you know, it reminded me of domain match. And I really wanted to get out of the ad tech world actually, as much as I enjoyed it. And there were just a lot of, I don't know, there's like not that much as a product person. And there wasn't that much that was interesting. Like yellow pages was where a lot of Yahoo people ended up going and, And most, like a lot, so many of my friends have moved up to the Bay Area and I'm like, no, like I want to stay in L.A. (laughs) And, and, you know, also having been in, you know, as as both of us had been up in the Bay Area and been in L.A., like there's some really positive things about L.A. being different. But there are a lot of benefits of the tech ecosystem in in the Bay Area. And like, how do we bring that here? And a lot of it starts with like that, that like giving back and the alumni and, and, um, you know, accelerators and creating these opportunities to like learn and fail and learn from people who've been successful. And, um, and I could see that, you know, you had the over two people who were, who had left, um, and who were some of starting new companies and the MySpace alumni, and you kind of started to see like, there were a couple of venture funds. I mean, probably more than a couple, but it was like GRP, which had just become upfront and March capital, um, also had a different name back then, and then amplify started and and uh, launchpad started. Um, kind of started to see the kind of the the emergence of this this ecosystem. and that's what got me really excited and i was and and so I took a little bit of a change after that. and so I left like I love product. I had actually nothing like I wanted to continue with product, but I also wanted to push myself and do something a little bit more. and I really wanted to kind of help the LA. like I just felt like, you know having lived in the bay area and then worked for a, a large tech company that had a billion users like and and been in la for a while like i had a unique perspective and i wanted to give back a little bit and so um you know i spent some time um looking at different, different options then i ended up joining you know a, a bank which doesn't necessarily make the most sense but they really wanted to you know they they saw um they had a um a startup um yeah, uh, Zoom, which had been a client in their previous bank, and they had started and were like this little they always say this itty bitty little account and um you know they started raising funds and they quickly became one of the largest deposit holders in the bank. And um, you know, they're like, this is interesting. Let's find some like we see this tech ecosystem kind of growing, let's find some more startups, you know startups, you know tech um, you know, why don't you come help us set up a startup banking division? And so, you know, I did my research and, and, and they gave me, you know, a budget to get the, the division off the ground. And, and I took that, that leap of faith and, um, and ended up in banking.
1: <laughs> and was this intended to be sort of like the, the, the Silicon Valley bank of, of Los Angeles in a sense?
0: Yeah. So, so SVB was, was in LA at the time, but, you know, they weren't really focused on LA. And so my, my, my thinking was like, you know, Hey, like, I'm I'm like kind of consider myself being from LA. Uh, I love the LA tech e- ecosystem. I know the LA tech ecosystem, um, and so you know, let's let's create like an SVB that's focused on the the LA ecosystem. I mean, to be to be clear, like that, was, the bank had like that that was not their core mission, um, but they wanted that to be kind of a, a business line of theirs. Um, and you know, I had a great time and, and I, so I, I quickly found that most startups don't really care about checking accounts. They just want it to work. And uh, what they really care about is, is capital, right? Um, and I, at the time, the, the banking regulation didn't allow me to invest equity, but there was a product called Venture Debt, which SVB pioneered. And so I spent a lot of time as someone who had never done underwriting, um, learning about, you know, underwriting, spent a lot of time with our, our credit officers, Um, learning about underwriting and then um, and and i quickly learned that regular underwriting is very very different than venture debt underwriting Um, you're not looking i mean they're looking for you know what is your debt service coverage ratio meaning like how much cash flow do you have coming out of your operations to to fund or to to pay for your debt that's not how venture debt is underwritten it's venture debt is very much underwritten as as you know you're not sometimes you're not, you're usually not profitable. Sometimes you're not even generating a whole lot of revenue. So you're really underwriting on the investor and will investors continue to back you? And so it's a very different kind of underwriting. Um, And we launched that program in the bank. You know, one thing I learned, like it was to me, the bank environment was like the biggest learning experience in my career, because I went from this big tech background, um, billion users, like, you know, you work on this, like, where Where is the world going? Um, compliance is not a thing. It's about it's just about and it sounds cheesy, but it's about changing the world and, and changing user behavior. And that's like fun and exciting. And then you get into a bank and, and banks are risk averse because they're there to protect your money. Uh, they're regulated, but like they're regulated for a reason. And, and so they're always looking at, like, how do we not lose money? Like, how do we not take risks? Um, and so I was a little bit of a fish out of water, and and also like a square peg in a round hole. Um, but you know, I learned a lot.
1: And it sounds like you, they, the bank wanted to do, wanted to like stretch those boundaries. But there's there's only so much they stretch, though, right? It's not you know a, a bank can't go into like you're saying, can't you know can't be a a true investor, can't take you know risks beyond what the. FDIC will allow or whatever, right? There's a lot of regulations behind all this.
0: Yeah, it is. And I mean, I I will say like um, SVB specializes in this and and they've been doing it for a long time and and it's their DNA. Um, I find it really difficult for banks um, to do as a business line. Um, because it, it does require a different way of thinking and a different way of underwriting and a different. You're still, I mean, is still evaluating risk, right? Like they're still a bank, um, and they're still looking at it from a bank perspective. But because they've been doing it for a long time, they they have a, a way of like they, they've understood how to underwrite it. Whereas you take, you know, uh, someone who's been underwriting cash flow um, and looking at it from a cash flow perspective, and then you know, they' not then asked to underwrite like you know? future um invest like future investor support is just a completely different way of underwriting. But I you know I did that for if you know ultimately was at the bank for four years, um, but found that it wasn't. I mean, the other thing that was really fun there is 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 um a lot of the marketplaces, um the peer-to-peer lending programs were were getting started. So Lending Club and Prosper and Funding Circle and um, it was really fun to be a like a tech product person in a bank at the time because like, you know, I realized there were not very many people who understood tech and understood banking and regulations. And because I'd taken the time to like understand underwriting and, and like I worked, I mean, I had to work with compliance. I had to work with the underwriters to get all these programs set up and also learned, you know, like y- you want e-signatures, you want digital workflows, like all these things didn't really exist in 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 regional and community banks at the time mobile banking was like a big new thing back then so working with like a lot of these marketplace lenders and um, was fun and we kind of naturally attracted them so I, like I enjoyed that but after you know four real four years realized that you know the my dna was just different and I I wanted to get back into tech and so joined um at netflix um which was kind of going back to my what i was doing at yahoo to a certain extent um they launched a product team here in la first first product team based out of la um so that was that was super you know super fun and 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 i think you know what i learned in the bank was like translating like and, and things like like a lot of my background has been and as a product person you're constantly like listening internalizing and translating um, and, you know, maybe it's like the fact that I'm, you know, I'm German and I've always kind of lived in, in you know, I'm, I'm in Germany, I'm German, in the US, I'm American and kind of being able to kind of wear all those different hats and in finance and in the bank, I was like the tech person and the like kind of bridging tech and finance. And then at Netflix, the role was really looking a lot at content and, and tech and really being able to tell the tech story to content and and vice versa understanding content to, to give that back as product requirements and, and new product strategy what i loved about my time at, at um, doing venture debt and 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 startup banking is like working with startups and it was you know just you, you just see so much of like from, from what you've like, you know what we've learned in building product and what goes right and what goes wrong and what to think about and then you you see it in all these founders and you just kind of get that that muscle memory, and and you just want to help, and it's just fun, and it's like especially like I love that like that early stage, that like pre product market fit where you're just you know you're just it has an energy to it where you're really trying to understand like what's the problem I'm trying to solve, who's the, who's my target customer? Um, you're experimenting like that's the the stage I love like even at Yahoo like I very rarely worked on a growth staged product. Um, and, you know, Netflix was was a large company at that point, and I just missed the energy from from startups. And also, like, there's something about what I really enjoyed on the, on the venture debt side, on the capital side, like, when you invest money in a company, like, you can really see what it does. Like, you can really see, you know, how, how they take those funds and make something out of it. And yeah, I mean, like, as a per- person, you also, like, you want to give back and you want to, like, you know... I don't know, like use your time in a way that's actually gonna help grow something.
1: Yeah. So that's that's what brings you into the true, the true venture world then.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I spent a year after Netflix, you know, consulting and 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 kind of uh, at first I thought maybe I'd do a venture debt fund because that's what I knew. But my my passion is really as a product builder is really in that early stage. And so that's I was really lucky to partner with Budbush Capital. Um they're an investment firm also based here in LA have been here in LA since I think 1954. Uh, actually the Wedwish Securities, Budbridge Capital is the the holding company that I think they've been around since 1984. So long time LA institution. And uh, it's been a great partnership. Like they helped me get my first fund off the ground. Um, and uh, we just kicked off fund two in, in July. And um, it's been, been super, super fun.
1: That's awesome. And I, I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, what, what you're looking at from an investment standpoint, but since you know a lot of the listeners are are entrepreneurs who are out there raising capital, uh, would love just to hear your thoughts about your capital raising journey. And you know now you've now done this you know twice, right? And you know what was that first the first one, which I think was a lot of support from Wedbush, and hopefully the second one as well. But you know what is it like to raise capital as a first time you know first time venture partner?
0: you know, first time fund manager, I've always been in tech my entire career and, and except for a few years there at Apex Fitness, but, and I've been in LA for a long time and, and have some experience on the venture debt side, but it was my first time doing equity investing. Um, so I was really lucky to have Wedbush um, Capital anchor both of my funds. You know, I still have to fundraise, um, you know, the the rest of it. So in the first fund, you know, COVID was an interesting time, uh, but actually it ended up being a great time to be investing because there was a lot of tech companies getting started um, and the stock market kind of started going crazy. And I think everyone just felt uh, rich. (laughs) And um, uh, I mean, venture is an interesting, it's a, it's a, it's an asset class that um, not a lot of people have familiarity with or have investments in. Um, I personally think it's a great asset class to fully diversify. Um, it's it's a long-term hold, right? It's um, you're holding your you know you're investing up to you know 10 years is a typical venture fund life cycle, um, and and most of your funds, uh, even though you start getting kind of as as companies sell, you start getting your returns. Um, you know, the, the it's a long-term hold from an investor perspective. Um, but I think that's the one thing that most startups don't realize is like we fundraise too. And, and you know, and we fund like the one thing I didn't realize. So with, with fund one, I purposely kept it um, pretty small. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, prove myself. Um, so I, I really focused on on friends and family, um, people either I knew or the Wedfish team knew personally. Um, I was really lucky to have you know some some great people come and support me, and I really appreciate of, of that of that support. Um, the fundraising there was a little bit easier, um, just kind of given the time and, and the size. Um, for Fund Two, it's been a um, you know very lucky to have a lot of the investors in Fund One come into Fund Two. But it's a it's a really difficult fundraising time right now, and and the thing that I don't think most most, most um, founders realize is like you know like a lot of funds are fundraising for years. Like you know you see this announcement of a close, and and that that fundraising has a lot of times been going on for at least a year. Um, and so that's I think the thing I didn't realize. Like I kind of thought it was like when you raise for a company, right? Like you. You do like a couple of like weeks or months and, and then you do your, you know, your 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 fundraise and your close and you're done. Um whereas like funds will have multiple closes and when by the time they announce they've a lot of times already like deployed half of the what they've raised. Um so yeah, fundraising is 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 an ongoing thing. And um and uh yeah, no, it's it's like for for you know, you are essentially s- selling a commodity in some ways. And I think that's what makes the fundraising for venture very different than a fundraising for a company. I mean, it's the same thing, it's about the team, it's about your differentiation, it's about your strategy.
1: Yeah, and I think that that need for that, dif- you know, wherever you can differentiate, which as you said, you know, it, it does come down to people, whether you're starting a, you know, a tech startup or a venture firm, but like being able to build those relationships and, you know, and demonstrate that you're, that you are doing something, different or unique, or at the very least, you've got a, you know, this really solid thesis about, uh, you know, where the market is going, where a, markets are going or, uh, you know, a certain technology. Um, and so from that standpoint, you're, so you're, you consider yourself, you are totally a tech investor, um, but uh, what you know, what sort of technologies? Because you've been in, you've been in ad tech, you've been in, uh, you know, fitness tech. You know, you've been in fintech a little bit. So, uh, you know, are are those things you're touching on, or kind of what's your technology sweet spot from a Wedbush standpoint?
0: Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's in some way, so a uh, re- re- reflection of who I am and my background. And so right now I run the fund on my own. And, um, you know, I really think about where I can add value um, and where I can really dig in and, and kind of bring my perspective. And so it tends to be things that I know. But I think here, like from a, so we do seed stage investing, we do companies, um, sometimes pre-seed. Um, usually, want to have at least some sort of product and market that that I can touch and feel, and 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 just get a sense of of how you can execute, um, how you can deliver, and how you think about product. That's super important to me. Um, you know, at a, at a big level, the main thing I really look for is is um, have you like peeled away the layers of the onion to really understand what the core inside is. Like as a product person. Um, you know, I've just learned like there's the obvious problem that you look at from the outside and then as you dig in, there's usually some sort of inside that unlocks the market. And that's what I get excited about when someone comes and says like, you know, I, I've kind of tried this and I learned this and then this is where I found the unlock. And it, so then they, then they basically go, huh, I hadn't thought of that. Like that's unobvious. That's what really gets me excited um and so in in you know, fund one was really much a reflection of where the market was at the time. And so um did a lot of fintech investing just given my time at the bank and 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 you know the Wedbush network um behind me. Um uh, e-commerce enablement was another big theme in uh, in fund one. Um future of work was another big theme in fund one. Um just thinking through as we work more flexibly, like what kind of infrastructure do we need, what kind of software products do we need. Um, and then a little bit of healthcare tech. It's not my. It's just an area I find very fascinating, and I think there's a lot of change. Um, I don't not biotech or any. I, that's just not my background, but if it uh, around data or improving health outcomes, it's something I'm interested in. Um, and so then for, you know the world has changed a lot, and and you know I think um, you know what you're seeing now is a lot of big tech companies are laying off people. They're they're bloated. There's there's more bureaucracy. And so it's just causing people to leave and, and start interesting companies. And so you're seeing a whole new crop of companies getting started right now. Um, still spending a lot of time in FinTech. Like fraud and cybersecurity, I think, is super interesting right now. Low code, no code is obviously still, um, I mean, gener- gener- generative AI is like the big buzzword right now. I don't like to be in too many th- like things that are too buzzy. It's just, it's a lot of hype and kind of like Web3 was last year. Um, and still looking a lot at, like e-commerce enablement, I, I, I think there's still opportunities there, but I also feel like um, we're going through a tough time right now. Like there was such an explosion of e-commerce um, in 2020, 2021, even yeah, 2022 started leveling off. And I, I just think that's going to be a little bit more of a difficult market in the next couple of years.
1: Got it. Got it. No, so it's it's, it's, a, it's a really exciting mix, and I think as you said it reflects your background. It also reflects, uh, you know, to some extent, what's going on in LA. Although I'm guessing, what's your what's your mix of kind of like you know companies in LA versus companies elsewhere? Um, are you are you are you looking for LA companies or are you geography agnostic?
0: I'm passionate about the LA tech ecosystem. Um, uh, it's where my roots are. It's kind of I have a, a, a big. Preference for companies based in LA. Um, it's interesting during the pandemic when we could, you know, a lot of people weren't in LA even if they were based here, um, and we could do meetings anywhere. Um, my investments were probably more outside of LA, so I think only 40% of the investments are are in LA in Fund One. But now that we've all gone in person, I just much prefer being able to meet people in person. Um, so yeah, that's my preference, but it's not a it's not a requirement.
1: We always want to we always want to understand how people can connect with you and how they should connect with you. so I guess in this case it's uh you know do you do you want uh, entrepreneurs uh you know sending uh you know sending pitch decks do you do you prefer warm introductions you know kind of how do you want to engage with entrepreneurs in in the ecosystem
0: yeah no look um um reach out my web website is wetbushventures.com um, there's a link there um, to either email me or you can you know uh, fill out a form and send me your deck I, it helps i mean I'll, this is such a weird thing and i've been thinking about this a lot a lot is like the warm introduction thing so no i've made i've made investments through cold emails um, so definitely feel free to 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 reach out if if what you're working on fits uh, my investment thesis um, there is something about like having um a lot of uh, of the of my diligence is on the founder um because that's the to me the the the, the there's yeah sure there's the market um, the market opportunity the market problem, but it's really around the person in those early stages and how can that person solve problems and move through hurdles and so i i I try to do as much diligence as I can on the founder. Um, or founders. Um, And so the more like I context I can get on the founder, um, the better. And so um, if there is somebody that we know in in common, help make that connection is just going to help you. But yeah, definitely come check out Wedbushventures.com and and send me an email.
1: Awesome. And I know, I mean, we've, we've, we've shared contacts over the years and, uh, you know, both, both directions. So I mean, I think it's, it's important, right? And that's part of what, uh, the LA network, the LA ecosystem has grown up together in a way where there's so much connectivity. Um, You know, you and I are both mentors and pitch coaches for Women Founders Network. And, you know, I think that's a great way to help develop, you know, certainly female entrepreneurs. Are there any other other resources like that or other things where either you would want to see a company having spent time with, or you might even send a company, say, hey, look, you know, we would, we would love to follow your, your progress in the meantime, you know, talk to amplify or talk to, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. I think it really depends on the company. Each company is different, unique founder background. Um, you know, The WFN is, is I think, an amazing program for for women founders. I think Techstars um, does a really good job as well. I'm also a mentor with their LA program. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about kind of finding what you need in those early stages um, to, to kind of get from zero to 10 or zero to 100 uh, meaning, just like kind of getting from the, that initial idea, and so it really depends. There's some some great like more on the healthcare side. It just really depends on what industry you're in and and what your background is. So for some people, the the um, uh, if you don't have a network or you don't have um, a lot of ex, you know experience building companies like programs like WFN and TechStars and and there's uh, Grid One Ten uh, Founders Boost does a great program too.
1: Yeah. They, they, I mean, I think we are, we are LA tech has that, you know, we, we do that on our bioscience LA website for, you know, certainly for life science related stuff. I mean, the great thing is, I think we've got so many of those resources in LA. So sometimes it's, it's almost more of just the challenge to, you know, figure out where to focus your time. But, uh, you know, you've, yeah. you've hit on some of the big ones for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My point is just like each program has its pros and cons. And, and, and so it's just about figuring out which one is the best for you, given your stage and what you're looking for. So, you know, some of them take equity. Some of them don't take equity. Um, You know, some of them, like Lacey, I think does a really great program in in, like the clean tech um, space. um, And and there's, yeah.
1: Cool. I think, I know we're we're over time here. I think we're going to wind up. I got a couple just like really fast questions. Uh, One, because, uh, you know, you talked about Germany. So uh, are there any like favorite German restaurants in the LA region? Uh, This might be a trick question because I don't know. I don't know if there are.
0: I know. My favorite one um, uh, is no longer, uh, but they still have, um, it's in Venice. It used to be called the, um, it's an outdoor bar that serves Hefeweizen and pretzels. And it's now run by an Australian, um, but they still have really good Hefeweizen.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Does Wurstküche, is that kind of German or is that just a...
0: (laughs) No, I I, I have to admit, I I don't live, I live right around the corner from Wurstküche and I have not... I've not been there.
1: <laughs> I've only been to the one in downtown LA, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, if you're, if you like, you know, random sausages and beer, it's, uh, it's pretty good. But uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to have that restaurant or uh, on the uh, main street, but that's been gone for years. I think it's winter break right now. You're off on, uh, you know, ski, ski vacation, which is one of your big, one of your big passions, uh, probably going back to Germany and Vermont. So it's like a combo, but uh um, where do you like to go to ski?
0: My favorite place to ski is um, Saint Anton in Austria. Um, it's just to me a great combination of great snow, great skiing, and just super fun vibe. The après ski. Um, uh, just to me, it's the whole package. Um, I love skiing in Europe. I love skiing in the Alps. Um, Zermatt is beautiful too, um, uh, but Saint Anton to me is kind of. Wow. I've, seen, I've never heard of that place, but, uh, you know, I, I,
1: the number of times you get me on the snow is limited. So it's, uh, I have
0: to say, we're, um, um, Mammoth has, has kept us in LA. It's a, it's an amazing mountain, uh, a little bit far, but, um, it's a, it's a good mountain. Yeah.
1: No, well, this is, uh, this is awesome, Petra. This is so much fun. And I, I love when I, I know someone so well, yet I still learn new things and, and find out new things. So super, you know, super glad we could do this. Um, you shared your information about how they can contact you. Um, so just want to thank everyone for uh, hanging out with We Are LA Tech today at the We Are LA Tech podcast. Please connect with We Are LA Tech at com slash community or on social at we Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you soon. And Petra, thank you so much. Happy holidays.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Petra Griffith. I am the Founder and Managing Director at Wedbush Ventures. We invest in seed stage companies looking to disrupt the way we work and live. I am based in Santa Monica and you're listening to We Are LA Tech.